0: Can you imagine writing software and coming up to the point where you have to write some conversion of measurement? Whether it's, uh, you've written your software initially in inches, and real- and then you realize everyone else is using centimeters. Uh, you are y- using Fahrenheit, and you realize everyone else is using Celsius. Y- you're using... Uh, a certain format of your date and time, and, and so on. So imagine writing that and thinking, oh, now I'd better write that conversion code. Even if you do the bare minimum, like just just the obvious ones that I've just mentioned, you've already d- done too much. And And what's worse is you've done too much and yet you haven't done everything. You've done too much, but you you forgot to also convert into picas and pixels and whatever millimeters and centimeters and and whatever else. So or you know and Fahrenheit Celsius and why why leave out Kelvin? So you're simultaneously not doing enough and doing too much. And I say you're doing too much because someone else you know someone else has done that. That's code that's already been written, right? Like someone else in the history of computing probably the recent history of computing, has written that code. And so it kind of seems silly for you to waste your time writing that code yourself. I mean, unless, I guess, you want to. But even then, there's an argument, honestly. Even if you want to, there's an argument that you shouldn't. I mean, sure, do it as an exercise. But when you grab a library that already exists to do a thing, a lot of times it's better to use the, the that library, because it has been written, it is, it's probably, there's probably been a lot of bugs detected in it, and fixed in it, and so now you are just reusing it, and you don't even have to maintain it, really. Someone finds a bug in it, you file a bug to the project, to the library, or you fix it in the library, you push it, they merge it, everyone in the world gets that fix, or, you know, someone else has done that, and now you're getting a fix. So, This is the idea, obviously, of open source software, but specifically in this context, it's also part of the the power of a desktop environment, of a framework, and the KDE5 framework has something called K-Unit Conversion, which does exactly what I've just described. It's a library that exists, with a bunch of conversion code, so that if you are writing something within the KDE framework, using the KDE framework tools, then you can just import kunit conversion or include it, and and suddenly you've got all this this code for free. And I say that a lot, you know, I've, I've said that a lot during the the review of, of of the KDE framework and of of other libraries, probably. But I feel like this one specifically. Illustrates it in such a familiar sense. Like we've we've all had that application. Not that we've necessarily written, but surely you've seen something in a preference dialog box, a settings box somewhere where you have to choose what's your preferred, you know, unit of measure. Like do you, do you prefer to see things in inches or centimeters or millimeters, or do you prefer to get your t- your date? Actually, I, I should check. I should check before I keep going on about date whether this actually covers date because i could just be um i could be throwing that in as an example uh frivolously i don't recall off the top of my head if that's actually a thing that it takes care of um i can't find it so it might not do dates it might just do uh measurements like inches Uh, centimeters, things like that. It does kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes. It does um, liters and gallons and things like that. And it is just a bunch of user include uh, header files and converter init, init, uh, uh, converter unit, unit category and value. Okay. So header files, uh, some CMake files and translation files. That's it. That's what's in the what's in the package. Next up is K-Wallet. K-Wallet, you may have different feelings about depending on sort of your experience so far with K-Wallet. Maybe you've never seen it before. Maybe you've seen it every single time you log into your computer. K-Wallet, in, in some instances, if you haven't migrated your profile correctly, maybe, I'm not sure. I can't find the consistent reason for this, uh, for it happening, but... Sometimes k gets into a state or has not been initialized. Maybe that's the thing. Uh, and so it, it it launches every time you launch your desktop and, and asks you to put in your password, I think it is, or something like that. There's, there's some, yeah, I think it was that. It would just always ask you to put in your password every single time you turn on your computer. And I, I think I lived that way for, let's just say, a year. It might not have been a year. It felt like a year. Um, And then one day I finally thought, this cannot be right. Like, something... There's got to be something that I can do to to make KWallet not ask me for a password every single time I I log in. And it turns out, of course, there is. I don't recall exactly what the fix was now. I mean, actually, I I kind of... I neither remember what the problem or the fix was. I, I think I either exported my current wallet as XML, made a new wallet with a new password and everything like that, and then imported the information, or I just deleted the old one and created a new one, or I just... Create. I just created one. I set one up because that was what it was trying to get me to do. Something like that. So in other words, if, if you're being plagued by K-Wallet reminders when you log in, launch K-Wallet Manager and create a wallet for yourself. This is what the Plasma desktop uses to store information that should be encrypted. Uh, and K-Wallet is meant to, uh, open, to be open when you are using your, 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 your Plasma desktop. So, and, and it should just open sort of magically. It should, it should retain the information, you know, once you've logged in with your password and user, it should, it should log into, it should decrypt Wallet Manager. And it runs in the background. And when I say in the background, I mean really in the background, um, You can launch K-Wallet Manager and have it running in the... the, No, maybe that's not where it goes. Well, there's something in your little taskbar, your system tray, I think... For for the wallet, but um, but generally it just runs way way down in the background, interacting with whatever happens to call it, and and a lot of things don't call it. I mean, some things don't interact with K Wallet, and and so it's it might be it might be mostly a moot point for your system, quite possibly, but certainly for me, for K Mail, contact stuff like that, that gets uh, stored in K. Not not all my mail and stuff, but the authentication, you know, the secrets for that, I believe, gets. Jordan K. Wallet, there's some stuff from KRFB and KRDC, and then I think some Chromium-related things, although I can't determine what that is exactly. It might be from KH, or not KHTML, uh, from Conqueror, because I don't, I don't, believe i've run but maybe these are old i don't know who knows um it's got stuff in it possibly possibly not a lot but it is a system like yeah a, a sort of desktop wide encrypted file vault essentially and that that's a useful thing sometimes now the cool thing about it though is that you can you can use it a little bit more interactively like like i say generally it just kind of it's there on your system and it it keeps track of of passwords and things like that as as needed but uh, to it keeps passwords and and things like that 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 applications hand to it because again firefox for instance doesn't interact with kwallet so there's there's nothing in there from a a web browsing session in in this case there may be with a different browser that does talk to kwallet now one interesting thing about kwallet is that it is a little bit interactive i mean there's this kwallet manager And so you can go down to a wallet that you've created and uh, open it if it's not already open. And uh, for instance, I mean, you you can create a new wallet just, in fact, I guess I could do that right now. I'll just do that right now. File, new wallet, I'll call it a demo wallet. And now it's going to ask for, yep, here it is. It's asking for what kind of encryption I want to use. You can use the classic Blowfish encrypted file or GPG Uh, encryption which it says is better so i'm going to use that anyway because that is actually what i want to use and then i will select the gpg key that i want to use to encrypt all of this stuff i am prompted for my gpg key and now i've got this demo wallet entity in my k wallet manager so this 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 entry this k wallet this vault it has a essentially a database in it well actually two two databases you might argue there's form data with, with zero entries and with zero yeah with zero in with zero amounts of data in it and then passwords with zero amounts of data in it because i mean i just created this thing so if i if i expand form data then i'm looking essentially, at the tables of that database. I've got passwords, maps, binary data, and unknown. I don't know what unknown is. I mean, that's the definition of unknown. But each of these database, each of these tables, I can add records to, except unknown. A- unknown allows me to do nothing with it, because I guess it's unknown. I don't know what to do with that. So there's passwords, there's maps, and binary data. I don't actually know how to add binary data, but passwords and maps are pretty straightforward. So if I right-click on passwords, if I right-click on Passwords and click New, then it gives me a prompt to give a name for my new entry. So I could put My Demo Password, and now I've got a new record, or I've got a, yeah, I've got a record in uh, in the password table. It is Form Data uh, Password, My Demo Password, Show Contents. I'll show contents, there's nothing there. But I could type Password123, and then click Save, and now my password is saved in within Wallet. Now, I could also do something like, um, you know, instead of just password, maybe I could do site colon um, example.com, and then user colon clatu, and then pass colon password123. Now, I, I have uh, some structured data in there, or at least delimited data. I mean, that's a structure. And, and I, maybe I could write an application that queries K Wallet and pulls out uh, a specific you know if i if i came up with a scheme for how i was naming my records in the table then i'd be able to go to form data passwords you know whatever example.com. Pa- uh gpg or, or whatever whatever scheme or whatever naming scheme it uses uh, maps are is similar and arguably maybe in some cases would even be better than what i just did cuz i basically just emulated a key and value pair and and this has this maps just like in in yaml if you'll i think i talked about yaml extensively at one point on this show maybe not maybe that was hacker public radio uh anyway in yaml there are there's a ma- there's mappings and there are sequences and so mappings is just it, it is that it is a key and value pair. Sequence is a list. But anyway, I digress. In in K wallet, a map is a key value pair. And you'll you'll hear about that too in other in like programming languages. You've got hash maps and things like that. So map map is a, a term that, that programmers I guess use to say I'm mapping this a key to this value. I don't love the the term because most of us think of maps as like a thing that takes you from one place to another, like more across physical space. Whereas in programming, it seems to be more just about assigning a value to a key. Anyway, map, I'll do the same thing. Right click, new, I'll call it my demo map. Here's my demo map, I'll show values. There's nothing here, of course, right now. I'll right click in the blank uh, key and value entry field and do a new entry and here I've got a key um, place. So I could do like site, and then I'll tab over to value, and I'll put example.com. So now I've got a key of site, and the value is example.com. I could do a, a, yet a new one. Maybe I would wanna put uh, site, or well, so, so site, cause I mean there's no way to correlate the entries to each other, so that the, I'm not gonna do the site user pass thing. I mean it could just be, you know, foo, tab bar there. Now I've got two keys and two value one value per key. Click save and now that is encrypted in my or you know it's it's in my wallet now, in my demo wallet. At any point you can go to file export as XML or you can import as XML. You can import a whole wallet. So there are lots of options for sort of getting your data back out, or switching over to this from something else, whatever you want to do. I'm gonna just delete this demo wallet, because I don't really need it. It's gone. Uh, That was simple. And now I've just got my normal KDE wallet, as I call it, um, and there's some information in it. I don't really use it directly all that much. I do find it interesting that you can, though. I could see myself using KWallet if there weren't so many other great options for that sort of functionality. Um, I I really really love Pass, or as as I think the full name is Password Store. It is a quote unquote Unix Unix password command or something like that, and it is the Pass is the actual command, but you can. You set it up and it just stores in GPG encrypted files, flat flat files on your hard drive, all of the, well, anything that you want, really, but also site names, usernames, and passwords for the places that you go. With a helper application within Firefox, you can bind you can sort of let firefox query your pass directory and autofill forms and things like that but pass is always its own thing as well so you can always drop over to a terminal and and look in within your password store it's a great command if you if you don't use it you should use it but kwallet is cool too and i didn't mean to digress away from kwallet to praise pass it's just pass is really cool but kwallet is is pretty cool and it's one of those things that especially if you've got applications that actually make calls out to k wallet it can be really really useful um so check that out i guess k wallet and k wallet manager so actually i guess i just talked about k wallet manager i meant to kind of talk about k wallet or or i should have talked about k wallet but instead i i i talked about k wallet manager which, I mean, that's kind of the, that's the user-facing thing that you're going to use a lot. Um, But K-Wallet itself is, like, literally K-Wallet. Like, if you, if you launch K-Wallet and not K-Wallet Manager, then you get into your system settings. And this allows you to enable or disable the K-Wallet subsystem. So if you don't have applications that use K-Wallet, and you feel confident that you don't have applications that, that, want to make calls to kwallet, then you can just disable it entirely and not worry about it. But you can also, here in system settings, uh, choose where, for instance, uh, show the manager in the system tray, Um, uh, use a different wallet for local passwords uh, versus everything on your on your desktop. Uh, Close when it's been unused for x number of minutes. Uh, Close when the last application stops using it. Close when the when a screensaver starts and so on. So there's there's some controls over sort of how comfortable you are with just running you know letting your your encrypted vault run sort of uh, open and unencrypted I should say. Kwallet Pam is a uh, Kwallet and PAM integration module, K-Wallet Manager, I've already talked about. So I think it's probably time to talk about K-Wave. K-Wave is the... I mean, it's basically the KDE version of Audacity. That's what I'll call it. And I have tried and tried to use K-Wave, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. K-Wave is essentially... K- KDE the the plasma desktop well, no, the KDE project's audacity. And saying that is just as loaded a phrase or a claim as saying that I don't know, GIMP is open source's version of Photoshop, or anything like that. Because you're, you're, you're immediately drawing comparison. And it's a completely unfair comparison for, for I think, just a lot of reasons. And that's, uh, just to start with, I don't know that K-Wave, I don't know what their project goal is. I mean, I it's a, it's a sound editor but i mean it doesn't it doesn't really strike me as an audacity clone just written in cute like that's that doesn't that does not appear to me to be the way that they are headed they 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 i i think they have their own thing in mind some of it seems a little bit clunkier than audacity and you know i mean look let's face it audacity is not exactly the most i i don't know i guess elegant of applications, but I mean, I have used Audacity for so long now, and I have customized the keyboard shortcuts and the layout so much that it's really, really comfortable and very, very efficient for me. I have done everything from voice recording to music recording on Audacity to, to obviously, editing of all kinds, and it's just, it, I, I know it well and the things that it can't do I know about and and I work around or I I plan for K-wave I don't know as well and I had tried K-wave back on 14.2 and couldn't even get it to stay open I mean it was it was not in a good place back at Slackware 14.2 ish whether whether or not that's just because of some quirk on my specific... I I had only tried it on my desktop really so maybe it was just I don't know something with that but it it didn't it didn't go well for me then and K Wave on fifteen, Soccer fifteen, seems to be going pretty pretty steady. I mean it, it's it it kinda seems to work. It's just that the the interface isn't necessarily entirely well, certainly not familiar because I'm not just not used to it. But there's there's there are little little things like when you go to record something, it, it brings up an entirely new window to record in, and and, and that has a, a volume monitor, so you kind of see what's going on. Um, but you are in you're you're in a you're in a separate space and that feels different to how audacity does it doesn't feel wrong it just feels different i think there are probably advantages to having a different sort of uh space like a window dedicated to just the recording settings because you can there's three tabs there's a recording and a format and a source so you can really get into like what what exactly you want this recording to look like and 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 to behave and you can monitor, like, the, the audio buffer and things like that, and set the sample rate and, and the input and uh, everything that you would want to do, really. It, it makes sense. It feels a little bit weirdly constraining because you can't do anything else. But, I mean, I don't know what else do you need to do while you're recording, really. The effects that it has are maybe, maybe, I think, maybe three things. Oh, I can't click there because I'm in the recording window on K-Wave. i so, right, I'm, I'm recording this section, the section about K-Wave in K-Wave. So I I didn't, I mean, I'm going to export it and then put it back into Audacity for the final, the final thing, because I didn't want to have to try to do everything in K-Wave. It would just slow me down too much because I'm not used to it. But yeah, for the effects, I mean, it really only has about, I think, maybe four effects. It's got like a low band pass, a high band pass, probably something else. But yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot. There's not like... I don't even think there's like a compressor or a gate or an equalizer of any sort or a noise remover of any sort. So it is a little bit limited in, you know, again, compared to Audacity. I'm not even positive that it's multi-track, to be perfectly honest with you. So, you know, it it's it isn't Audacity, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But when you first launch it and you first look at it, you're going to think, oh, this is the KDE version of Audacity. So, yes, that's the right ballpark, but it, it is a it is not the same game. Uh, but it works. I mean, you can you can record stuff, you can go in and select it and delete the parts that you don't like. You can export your sound to a format that you prefer, that you like. You can open up a sound file and edit it there. So there's there's plenty to do here. Um, I, I don't find the keyboard shortcuts very useful. I would have to customize those heavily before I sort of felt quick on this application, I think. Um, but I think in a pinch, this this is really good. And and quite possibly more than four in a in a pinch. Um, it's it's a nice application. I'm not saying it's not a nice application. I'm just saying it isn't Audacity. So I, I guess I should stop saying that because I think we've we've gotten that message, right? K Wave is not Audacity, it is K Wave. It will edit sound files, it will import sound and export, and it has a lot of cool little options and interface features that are unique. To other things that I've used and kind of intrigue me. Uh, So I'm gonna, I'm gonna monitor it. I'm gonna keep an eye on K-Wave. Not gonna switch to it. There's no reason to, honestly. There's just no reason for me to switch to it right now. But it's good to know that it's there, because you never know what's gonna happen to Audacity, really. You really don't. So it's it's good that K-Wave is here. I will I will continue to watch it carefully. And it's a neat a neat app. So if if you're sitting around thinking, I just have a little vo- a little audio to edit. I don't want to have to install all of Audacity for this one little project. Well, you've already got something that might work. So give it a try. Uh, that, that was an edit, by the way. I stumbled over what I was about to say. So I, I had to edit what I said, and then I, I continued. So if you didn't notice an edit there, that was a K-Wave edit. Pretty nice, right? Okay, that's K-Wave. Now this section is has been appended to the previous section, but it wasn't appended to the same track. So it, it created a, a completely new file, because I had to essentially resume recording. And that's a little bit of a of a problem. At the bottom... of the, the the thing that I really like about KOA, the bottom of the window is the whole of your audio. That's all of your audio. So it's got basically, you know, like in how in K-Write and Kate, and Kate, you have the little you have an overview of the, your whole document down the side of your screen and that's your scroll bar. Well, in this that's your horizontal scroll bar. It's really really nice. That's that's what I wanted to resume recording to say. Now I'm really going to stop and go back to Audacity. Okay, I'm back in Audacity now. I I'm betting you couldn't hear the difference. And that's a good thing. I like K-Wave is perfectly serviceable. It's got like I say some cool little UI features. It is worth looking at. If you're really 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 used to Audacity though, don't 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 plan, don't throw out Audacity yet. Anyway, it is time for coffee. Let's go get some, we'll come back, talk about whatever's next. <laughs> I'm back with coffee. When I say back, I, I really mean back. I went quite a ways for this. I went down to the local cafe, which is, I mean, to be fair, I live in a pretty small town right now. So it's only like three blocks away, four blocks away. Um, and it's such good coffee. It's really good. So I'm enjoying my flat white. And with flat white, we're going to talk about K Wayland. K Wayland is uh, an interface for the KDE. Plasma Desktop to integrate with the Wayland protocol, or the Wayland compositor, I guess. And Wayland does ship with, or Slackware rather, Slackware 15.0 does ship Wayland it, it, there is the actual Wayland library on this machine so this isn't something that just kind of like got accidentally slipped in because it came with a whole bunch of other KDE stuff like this is a this is a thing you could use i am not using Wayland right now i'm just using traditional old boring x11 or zorg or whatever it's called so Wayland is the new graphic display uh, framework or or system that a lot of Linuxes are using these days. And I don't know that much about this sort of thing. So I don't really, I don't have a whole lot of commentary on it. Um, I, I do know that, that Wayland is relatively early still. I mean, it's it's not. It, it isn't. I mean, it's it's totally. I mean, I I use it on my laptop. It's great. It's, it's working fine. I can't. The, by virtue of the fact that I cannot tell what I am or am not using, I think that that speaks volumes. And I've heard from people who have you know maintained X, who have maintained Zorg. And or XORG, um, that, that this was a necessary step to take towards sustainable, maintainable, uh, g- a g- graphic server. Like this, this had to happen. So, in other words, when I say graphic server, I mean the reason that you see something on your monitor when you start your desktop, something has to draw those pictures, right? Like something has to manage that stuff. And the thing that that does that, that's drawing those pixels uh, to it for a desktop, like a graphical display, a frame buffer, is what was Xorg for the longest time and now it it's very often Wayland and there's a compatibility layer so you can run a Wayland desktop and still run your Xorg applications and have them appear within Wayland so you can truly have I guess the best of both worlds now there's some concern among some people about sort of like some some details about Wayland like you can't uh, I I think I haven't looked that Deep into it, but you, you can't, for instance, do X. Well, you certainly can't do X forwarding with Wayland because Wayland isn't X, it's Wayland. Uh, so some people are kind of theoretically missing that feature, and for a long time, I theoretically was quite distressed to lose that feature, and other other little features, you know, things like, I mean, honestly, I've forgotten the commands now, that's how important it was to me, apparently, but little things like where you would get, like, the exact dimensions of a window by listing that window's property ID and sending it to an x-related command of some sort, you know, little things like that, where that one time in that one situation, it was really actually quite useful, and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to know that that was there, and then with Wayland, it's not there, or at least it's not there yet. The fact that on Wayland, the the emphasis seems to be just, just use VNC, like just, just, just do a, a remote frame buffer VNC connection, just don't, don't worry about it. Every, it's, that's good enough now. And I think more and more in the modern world, that probably is good enough now. It might be, it might be six and a half of one and a dozen of the other, because, I mean, maybe if, you know, if you're strapped for bandwidth, you might find that trying to get get a whole desktop into, uh, onto your desktop goes pretty slow. But then again, honestly, in my experience, on low bandwidth, X forwarding hasn't gone all that fast either. So... I, I I don't know. I guess I had I've always had mixed experiences with x forwarding whether the application ended up being really really complex and so you'd have to spend who knows how long getting all the invariable uh, the environment variables correct or whether it was because the net the network just wasn't fast enough or, or whatever I mean and then by by the same token though I've had great experiences with X forwarding like really really out outstanding like really really good uh experiences so it, it kind of it, it it did depend and i'm'm I'm, I'm wondering you know like what would it really feel like to be working on a remote system over uh, that's running Wayland? And I don't really have the experience with that right now. I haven't, I haven't had the serious need to try to like stress test that. But it is open source software, and so I, I tend to assume that for a lot of this stuff, the little features are going to pop up because somebody's going to want it, and they're going to make sure that it somehow happens. So I'm not really too concerned about sort of Wayland versus. Xorg and I certainly in real life between my laptop and my desktop I just haven't noticed a difference like in performance in in quality it's just worked for me both ways so I don't I don't tend to think too much about either Wayland or Xorg these days and I will say that anyone who's who's ever used Xorg long ago enough to remember zorg.conf you may have some trauma associated with Xorg I, I certainly do. I have I have trauma associated with Xorg. So I'm a little bit eager to continue down the path of Wayland and just kind of see what, what, what it'll bring. Now, to be fair, I feel like just graphics in general on Linux have gotten better within the time I've been using it, which in the grand scheme of things isn't really that long. So I don't know how much of that is just general improvement versus Wayland improvement. And certainly with Xorg, modern Xorg, I... I haven't had to touch a Zorg.conf file in ages, so yeah, I'm not even sure how much that actually plays into this. Either way, I'm interested. I'm 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 up for, for trying Wayland a little bit more. And certainly, like I say, on my laptop it seems to be doing quite well. Oh yeah, and on my backup server as well. That's got Wayland on it. Okay, so next up is K widget add-ons and these little widgets are like widgets in the classical sense, or at least in the software classical sense. I don't know if they're, if they were ever non-software, but yeah, widgets. um These are all the little components, the, the cute components that, that you might need for building a graphical application. And they're just really, really useful things like uh, a K action menu, a K uh, color combo button, a K color button, K cursor. K-date combo box. Anytime you need someone to be able to just do a quick date with, you know, uh, pop-up uh, window uh, men- menu boxes. Uh, K-font requester. K-font size action. K-LED. K-message box. And it goes on. I mean, the list is just phenomenal. K-ruler. K-selector. K-separator k okay, title widget k okay, toggle full screen action, yeah, it just goes on and on, and there's just so much stuff actually that's about it um well, I mean I'd say that's about it i've I've only read like five things, but I mean I've skipped th- down a list of like it must be well over sixty items and then and then there's header files after that, so it's um it looks it looks deceptively long when actually it's it's like. The same thing, just one of them is the header file version of the other one. But anyway, it's a bunch of useful things. It's not something that you're going to consciously use. It'll be something that a a programmer includes in their application. And and even then, probably sometimes not even consciously. It'll probably, you know, it's probably one of those things that gets added um, by default with a bunch of different templates. So really, really useful but not necessarily something that you're going to interact with all that frequently. So let's talk about KWin. KWin is the KDE window manager, and this this is like almost perplexing this kind of granularity, um, the, the the level of minutia here. On, on Linux, um, I just, I, I remember realizing that in the grander scheme of computer graphical design there were this many components to a desktop, you know, there's the desktop itself and, and there's the components of the desktop, but for that desktop to, or, or rather for the, for, for things to be quote-unquote on top of that desktop, you, you need a window manager, because the window manager has to sort of know the bounds of that application. And then the application has to get drawn inside the window that the window manager sort of allots to that application that's why when you when you launch for instance i don't know firefox or something or chrome chromium or or audacity or whatever it might come up like quarter of your screen size and then you drag on the window edge to to make it larger Or you click the button that says you know make it full screen and it goes full screen whatever that's all sort of K window manager K D E window manager figuring out like okay what's the size of this display how and and what well rather what's the size well yes what's the size of the display what's the size of the window. Into which an application needs to be drawn, and then the application, based on the the class that it's inheriting or or that it's um, you know expanding, draws w- big widgets uh, that represent the window background and a panel and a scroll bar, if if the contents extend past the window and so on. Really, really precise stuff. I mean, stuff that you and I never think about, and then developers, because it's such a great little framework. And, and it's not just KDE framework that does this, you know. I mean, certainly if you developed for GNOME, you would have the same kind of luxury. You just don't have to think about that sort of thing, and you shouldn't be thinking about those sorts of things because you don't know what people are going to do with their window managers. So that's nice that you don't have to think about that. You just know that some window management system will draw your app will 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 draw a space into which you, your application will be drawn. You and I usually probably don't really interact with KWin. It's something that just it. it runs, you know it's running because you have windows on your screen. You have things popping up when you launch applications and you have title bars and all that other stuff. So what you, the, 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 the couple of commands that we actually do have are kwin underscore, and there's either underscore Wayland, kwin underscore Wayland wrapper, and kwin underscore x11. So if you're running a next dot uh, desktop, then you would, and for whatever reason you needed to, I don't know, relaunch kwin, you could do kwin underscore x11 dash dash replace, and that kills the current running kwin and launches a new one sort of out from under you. It's, it's kind of terrifying because you'll see your windows sort of like flicker and the, the title bars might disappear and so on. But just give it a moment, and it it, it all comes back as expected. So the dash dash replace just replaces an already running window manager. You you can do the kwin underscore Wayland dash dash replace as well, but whether or not it actually... Whether or not that works for you uh, kind of depends. You can also do the, uh, let's see, uh, what is it? Kwin underscore Wayland r- underscore wrapper. Yeah, that's what it is. So that launches a little screen or a little wi- a window within your physical screen on your desktop called KDE Wayland Compositor Wayland-0. And it says press right control key to grab input. Whatever that means, right? I mean, pressing, pressing the right control button sure whatever um okay so now what well here's what um so you've got this empty screen it's a black box doesn't mean anything to you doesn't seem very useful well try this display equals the display all capitals equals colon one space cute qpa no sorry cute underscore qpa underscore platform equals wayland and then uh let's just do K write. Now you may notice in that little empty window, you now have a session of kWrite running. And that's, that's, so that's running within this embedded, you know, this, this nested Wayland session within Xorg, or whatever it is that you're running, I guess. But um, I, I've, so to be clear, I've not tried this on, I've not run a Wayland d- desktop and then tried kwin underscore Wayland wrapper. Haven't, haven't bothered to, to try that many variations of this exercise, but there you go. That's a, that's getting, that's being on Xorg and trying Wayland out within, from within Xorg. And of course you can do the same thing or essentially the same thing the other way around too. You can be on Wayland and launch all of your X, uh, org, you know, based applications, uh, as well, and in fact, you can force it to do that with Q, uh, on Slack where cute underscore qpa underscore platform equals xcb. That forces an application to launch, even though you might be running the Wayland desktop as an Xorg uh, application. So that is fun and quirky. I don't know necessarily of any reason uh, why. Oh, by the way, to interact with the application, you you that's what the little message at the top was hold the right control key you have to hold the right control key so that you can drill down into that X that that um, that Wayland wrapper uh, interface so uh, anyway what was I saying before that oh yeah you can you can run a Wayland desktop on slackware it's just I have not I have not switched over to that myself yet. I might. I might eventually soon, um, but I, I'm not... I don't know. I just took whatever it gave me when I first set it up. As I've said, Slackware and, and Linux in general has gotten so darned good lately that I just, I just haven't needed to adjust that much. So... I'm just really happy with with how it loads onto my machine. It just kind of does what I need it to do. So that's KWin. That's all the KWin stuff, I think. And then there's KWindowsystem, which is uh, the windowing system sort of API. Uh, it it it's uh, it's inspired by X11, uh, but not all of the functionality for X11 is is provided. But this is kind of uh, a an important little uh, subsystem to have because KDE, you know, might want to have the ability to know things that aren't provided by the display server by default so things like K window shadow K window shadow tile K window system K uh, window info K window effects and all these other things that normally yeah your 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 display server isn't your graphic server isn't going to doesn't need to know about like its job is to draw this stuff and it's a, it's a it might be a feature for instance of of the plasma desktop or the the framework the kde framework to to track additional features around a window and that's what k windows system does i'm not sure why k win Win and k windows system aren't sort of the same um but it, i mean i'm sure there's a very good reason for it it, it they do seem very, very related to one another. Um, And I'm sure it's, like I say, I I have no doubt that there is a good reason for them not to be together, and I'm not second-guessing that. I am simply saying I don't know why they're not, because they do seem pretty close together. Okay, so then there's K-word quiz, and this is one of those that I keep thinking, I should use this. This seems like a really useful application. And I really, really like that this exists. And I love that someone somewhere said, I I want an application to just make flashcards, like for memory, you know, memorization and stuff. Um, And there wasn't anything out there, I guess and so they created it which i just think is brilliant this is so cool this is the kind of weird one off application like highly personalized application that i really feel like we should we should have on computers now we we should just have not not this application but i'm saying the the ability to make this kind of application is something that i think anyone should be able to do and i it pains me that it is not something that anyone is able to do i mean anyone is technically able to do it KDE Frameworks has proven that it's got enough infrastructure, enough trappings around the the framework and the the cute platform, the cute uh, widgets and and all of the things. You, You can do this. Someone did this. It exists. But if you look at it, it's just it looks like an Excel spreadsheet. Key volume uh, key value pair one after the other. Some buttons over on the left. Some buttons are along the top. It's not a complex application necessarily, at least not at at first. So let's we'll do column one, and we'll do um let's do um I don't know I can't think of things. So how about penguin or no? Let's let's do bird. Bird is one column one. What is column two? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, oh, it's probably the okay okay okay. I, I see what. I see what we're doing. Yes, I, I get it. Okay. So what we'll do is um, we'll do 2 plus 2 in column 1, and we'll do 4 in column 2. And then we'll do 3 plus 2 in column 1, and we'll do 5 in column 2. So now we've got, we've got two flashcards that we've just created in this editor mode. And the modes are along the side, the left side of the application. So right now I'm in editor, and I have two columns that I can fill out. So I've just done question, question answer, answer. If I click on flash card, then I get my, I get to take the quiz that I've just created. So initially it shows me my, my, my first card, which was, it, which is two plus two. Now I can click over on the right now from top to bottom. I have a check, like verify. I've got, I know, I do not know and restart. So I'm going to click check to make sure because I think it's four, two plus two. I think that's four. Check four. Yes, I did know that. So I'm going to click I know. Now it after I click I know, it immediately goes to the next card. This is 3 plus 2. I'm gonna check. I think 3 plus 2 is 6. Oh darn, it's 5, so I do not know. So it plays a, a little bit of a sad sound so that I know that I got it wrong. And then I have a choice. I can either restart or I can just repeat the errors so now it's showing me three plus two again i think it's a five check yet five okay i do know now and so now now i've completed this whole deck without any errors and i could either well at this point i can restart or i could go back to the editor i guess and add more cards or whatever i wanted to do there are other modes as well you can do um well there's there's a multiple choice option if you have if you know if you have enough entries in your editor it can it can create multiple choice options for you which seems really cool and then there's the question and answer like a quiz like just a straight up quiz where you can you get the the question from column one and then a a field where you can fill it in and see if that's correct and i just got one right uh and then i guess i still have to press check i'm not sure What what am i doing here next oh repeat errors i guess i must have missed one Five. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Right at the end. Uh, So yeah, it's it's a neat little application, and and there's lots of different little. There's different modes, so you can ask it to just show you the stuff out of column one and force you to guess the stuff in column two. Where you could say, show me column two and force me to guess the. You know, show me the answer. I'll guess the question. Show me the. uh, Show it to me at, at randomly. Uh, you know, just go back and forth between which column you're showing, and so on. So, and then, like I say, there's multiple choice options, and there's uh, quizzes, and and all kinds of really cool things like that. The one thing I I couldn't find myself was the ability to 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 sort of forbid someone from going over to the editor. Like, and I know that this this entire system is it's based on the assumption that you um that you are the person quizzing yourself. So there's no sense that y- you would need to, like, sort of block yourself out of the thing. But I-, I don't know. I could see that being a useful thing for someone where it's like, you know, you can't... You don't get to see... Although, you know what? I guess you could hide... No, not that, not that one. I guess you could hide the toolbar containing think. Can you? Maybe not. No, I don't think you can. No, that's oh, the wrong one. I thought main toolbar. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I would think that it would be useful to be able to hide the editor from from your, your pupil, but I guess, I mean, you know, it's a local machine. It's a local quiz. I guess the, the audience is self-quizzing or quizzing someone yeah i mean ultimately you you're trying to learn it it's a flashcard in real life you can just flip over the card and look at the answer like it's not there's no vault there's this is not a this is not the test but it does seem like it could be the test because it does have such a rich ability to shake up how it shows you all of the questions and answers and i guess that's what made me think oh it would be kind of cool if you could actually just make this uh, a test system but I, I guess that's not that's not the target. That's not what they're going for. Either way, I mean K word quiz, such a nice little application. And it, it's so it's so simple and so so sort of obvious that, that yeah, I just that's exactly the kind of weird one off little applications, like little tiny Everyday utilities that I, I I just want everyone to be able to to do that 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 sort of application should be trivial now. Like that's what that's my assertion. That's what I believe. I think computers should be advanced enough now to where if someone says I would really like a flashcard program and I don't know where to look, well, let me just take five minutes to whip one up, and that's not. The reality that we live in, unfortunately. That is not where computers are. I think I think we could be there, but that's not where we are. K right D. K D is a write demon for the KDE Plasma desktop. What is a write demon? Well it it watches for messages from local users sent with write or wall. So if you've never if you've never been on a multi-user system, like a real live lots of people on the same system, then you may not have really ever gotten to experience right or wall i had the pleasure of actually doing that i was like literally we were the hundreds of people on one system and and it was a lot of fun um and and you could message people by their username using uh right as long as they had that turned on i i, I don't remember no I'm, I'm i'm almost sure that that's yeah you, you can activate it or deactivate it um Actually, I don't see it. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Message, maybe? Right, right, or wall. Maybe it was wall. You could turn off wall, maybe? Timeout, group. Maybe it was just a custom thing. I don't know. I can't find where you can deactivate it, because I thought there was a f- thing where you could say, I, I want to opt out of this thing. I could be misremembering. Or, a prop- more likely, I am probably confusing it with another similar tool. Um, but write and and wall are they 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 sort of they're, they're terminal applications and they are essentially it's a chat application of sorts not a very not not a super useful one I don't know why like if kwrite d exists I I almost don't exactly understand why like copete or something couldn't just integrate that into a nicer sort of GUI and grab those messages from write or wall put them into that GUI and that way you kind of have the sense of a continuous conversation in real life what i found would happen is that you would you'd get a message from someone but you're using that terminal in which you see the message and so you know it their message sort of ends up way off screen because now you've listed a folder a couple of times and so on so it's it's not super convenient at least the way that I've seen it in use uh, but K right demon is really nice because it will it, it will listen for those things and it pops up a little message you know in K notifications just like everything else and it shows you what they're saying it's really pretty neat so yeah, K right demon. If if you're on a multi-use u- user system, and and the trick is to be on a multi-user system, because even though Linux is by design multi-multi-user, m- uh, very few of us actually log into the same physical machine and have a setup where you get your own desktop on your own remote monitor and so on. So it it is it, that's it's a vaguely advanced kind of application, not not so much in how it is used and more just kind of how um, how you do or do not get the opportunity to actually use it. And I think last but not least in this episode is KMX GUI. Sounds really exciting if you're an XML geek like me, but it's not really all that exciting. I mean it is, but it's it's very specific. It is and it is a XML parsing or, or a library that takes XML and, and, and interprets it. For use as a GUI menu, so it is it is something that you again would include in your source code, and you would feed this K KXML GUI a series a series of of XML tags and and and. Entries and attributes, um, and and then it would sort out all of the different widgets that you're asking for it to create, you know, to to form a, a menu. This, I think, I believe, I could be slightly wrong here, but I believe this is quite useful for K develop, for instance. And I've seen other, certainly other IDEs with. Um, Interface builders that do express themselves in XML. So I, I'm I kind of can picture what this would do in my head. Um, I mean, you probably can too. It's a bunch of XML. It's probably has, for instance, file at the top, and then within that one, there's probably like maybe an open and a save and a quit, and then it probably has an edit, back up at the top, and then within that, you probably have like a copy and a paste, and a, you know. So it's 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 just the structure of a thing. Um, but it would also have um, something, some way, an ID maybe, or some kind of code like a tag or something that would also tie back into the code that you're writing, so that you know what you know, so that so that your application knows when someone selects file open, w- who do I call? Where where? What does that lead to? What function is that meant to to sort of invoke? So it, it is useful, and I think it's probably really useful for complex applications with lots of menu entries. Um, I have done menu entries by hand before, and, and I mean, and it's not just menu entries. I'm I'm focusing on that as if though that's all it can do. That is not all it can do. It can do other things. Um, it can do toolbar actions, and and you know, it, it can do lots of things. So um, I've done that stuff by hand. And it is it's a lot of copying and pasting. And sometimes it's a lot of like change that up there and then go down here where you're actually listening for that for that signal. And then uh once that signal is received, well, where do we forward it to? So change that lambda or whatever. And and there's a lot of like sort of going back and forth, whereas I, I'm imagining this system is probably a lot more contained. It's kind of all in there, and as I say, it, it interfaces. I think if this is exactly the thing that I think it is with KDevelop, and so you can just build your interface and not even have to really worry so much about the the text of the code where you're where you're just it's it gets repetitious is what I'm trying to say. And when there is something to handle that for you, it, it is kind of refreshing. That's KMX KXML GUI. Is what that one is and i think that's about it for today i mean there's more we're not through the k uh oh there's only one more okay well we gotta we gotta get the last last one the next yeah we're out of the k's after today so k xml rpc client is a library providing an api to access xml RPC. And for that to be significant at all, you need to know what RPC is. R- RPC is a pro... well, XML RPC is a protocol. It's Remote Procedure Call RPC, uh, and it is a form of communication to some clients or to, you know, to between a, a, a client and a server, uh, very frequently over http although i imagine you could do it over other means as well but i mean http and you're you're sending uh, requests for services along with various data types like an array of of information which you can wrap in xml uh, a um a boolean which you could wrap in XML like a boolean tag, literally bo- boolean, and an array tag, array, uh, a double, an integer, and and so on. So it's it's a it's a fascinating little sort of schema of XML uh, if you if you enjoy that sort of thing, which I I really really do. Um and and it is structured in such a way that it's it's a very nearly, kind of a. I mean, you can tell from the data types. I mean, it's it's kind of a programming. It, it's it's talking. It's talking code through explicit sort of representations of. Of things that code would would expect to receive now i've never used xml rpc that, that i know of i mean I, maybe i've used something that uses it but i, I for instance i've never written anything where I've, i thought oh xml rpc is the answer so I've, I've never i've never used it but i do quite quite like the concept I, I like the idea um maybe maybe it's too verbose i mean xml is not known for not verbose you know i mean that that is that's a lot of bits you know a boolean a boolean bit like a one and you want to tag it as a boolean so you have to tag it as angle bracket boolean close angle bracket one angle bracket boolean close bracket i mean that's that's xml right i mean it it is not uncommon for in xml to have a a big long tag that is two ten twenty times longer than your value and that does feel weird i admit like sometimes that feels strange but boy is it great to read there's no question about what that is that's not an int one that's a boolean one why because it says so in the tag, I, I really, really like XML. Um, and RPC client is the way that you could use XML RPC in in an application that you were you are writing. And it's it's especially significant because what uses RPC but Samba, the Samba project, uh, probably I, I imagine because because Active Directory and and the SIFs and all that other stuff probably uses RPC, but Samba uses and, and actually ships with an application called RPC client. And so you can use that. I've never used it directly, to be honest, but you can use it RPC client. It's a command that comes with Samba. It'll be on your Slackware machine. Um to to communicate with 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 an you know with, with some samba thing some entity out there uh, I imagine probably for troubleshooting but maybe it's more useful than that I don't know I have to look into it uh, point is k rpc client is is the library that that helps kde to talk that language and so i imagine we're going to see like if we were to look at like dolphin source code i imagine we would see some kxml rpc client inclusion because a dolphin for instance can connect to samba shares so I'm, I'm guessing i haven't looked specifically for that but that's that's the kind of place you would i would not be surprised to find it that's it. That is everything from the K section in the KDE uh, s- s- um, software series. Now, that doesn't mean we're out of KDE. There are, there's an L section, an M, N, Q, S, W, X. So there's lots to go within KDE yet. But that's that's the K section, and as you can imagine, the K section in KDE is is admittedly pretty long. So we are through, I guess I'll arbitrarily say, the bulk of the KDE section of Slackware software series. So thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. record.